Hello, welcome to Pillow Talk with Mark and B, the podcast where we just talk. And uh, today's episode is going to be very interesting. It's about a topic that we have all interacted with, unfortunately, in one way or another. And it's not always beneficial, believe it or not. And today's topic is going to be about porn. Uh, joining me as always, we got B, my lovely wife, and we got a special guest from Integrity Restored. And he is the executive director of this organization, Jim O'Day. Welcome. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. It's a it's a pleasure. And uh, I'm so glad you're willing to talk about this topic that so many people are afraid of. Yeah, like like I said, like we all have sadly interacted with it. And as the world gets more and more easy to engage in like online pornography and all that kind of stuff, it just is becoming more and more prevalent. Well, the average age of exposure in the U.S., guys, is between eight and 10 years old for first exposure. That's and crazy. So- so we are raising a generation uh, or a couple of generations now of kids who that's all they know. Yeah. And yeah. not, not healthy. Yeah. Like I feel like my very first interaction would have been like maybe when I was 16 and it would have been like a nudie mag that I found, you know, and it was a different time then. you had to really go out for it, but now it's, it's, it's bizarre now. Well, it's available all the time. Uh, yeah. in everybody's pocket 24 hours a day and 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 the problem is most parents think they're they're doing a good thing by giving their child technology so they could stay in touch and I understand all that mm-hmm. but what they don't realize is that these things actually are pornographic movie theaters all the time and yeah. and it's not the nudie magazine when I was growing up um if you found a Playboy magazine in the street you took it and you hit it under your bed. I did do that. And, <laughs> but it was just pictures of the human body. What these kids are looking at now guys is violent, uh, and, and really abusive porn. And they think that that's normal sexual activity. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, before we get really into it, uh, do you want to lead us off in a little prayer and kind of guide the flow of the conversation that way? I would love that. Thank you so much for the invitation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you so grateful, so grateful for this opportunity to connect and to have this conversation. And Lord, we ask that you fill us with your Holy Spirit so that the things that we say may actually be the things that these people who are silently struggling need to hear. We know that this problem impacts so many and it makes them draw further away from you. Lord, help us with our words, with our conversation, to bring them hope, and most importantly, your mercy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I got a little uh, descriptor about you. I'm going to read that, and then if there's any other information about your personal life that you want to include or whatever, uh, you can fill that in after. So we got this here for you. Jim O'Day is the Executive Director of Integrity Restored, an organization that provides education, encouragement, and resources to break free from pornography, heal relationships, and to assist in parents preventing and responding to pornography exposure. He has 25 years of experience in various capacity. He's a husband, father, and grandfather. Cool. Uh, He's a leader, life coach, and advocate for strong men and healthy families. And in his free time, he teaches self-defense and coaches lacrosse. Oh, cool, cool. That summary. <laughs> that's that's pretty much me. Uh, what it does leave out is my uh, my kind of younger years when I grew up in New York City, and my parents were divorced when I was two. Uh, 
And so I did not have a real male role model in my life. I would see my dad once a year for a couple of days when he came into town on business. Can I ask how that affected you? We we hear about um, how men without fathers typically, I mean, most end up in jail and statistically speaking, they're not, they don't, you know, end up well, but how did that affect you personally? Um, exactly. You're right. So I looked around and my identity as a man uh, kind of boiled down to three things. I thought this is what it meant to be a man. I could drink more beer than the next guy. I could fight better than the next guy. And I could sleep with more women than the next guy. Hmm. So, so growing up, uh, I was always, you know, pretty tall kid, six foot two, 200 pounds. And I started working in nightclubs in New York city at the door as a doorman. And that was a great way to get free drinks, to get into fights and to meet girls. So yeah. I thought it was ideal. And I'm working at one club and, and Friday nights were not doing well. And, um, the owner and I are talking and I came up with the idea to do an all male review between eight and 10 PM on Friday nights and have only women come in. And I knew that if we got a lot of women in there, the guys would show up at 10 PM. <laughs> and so he said, that's a great idea, Jim. That's awesome. Who's going to dance. I said, me, of course, <laughs> I'm telling the truth. <laughs> And okay, your life has kind of shifted drastically over the years. That's the point. That's the point. You know what? That's I'm really glad that you went point. into that because I feel like you hear the word pastor or you know spiritual leader, and you're like, "Well, that guy's perfect. He doesn't understand. He doesn't understand the streets and the the life that I deal with." And I feel like you just made yourself way more relatable. The truth is, and I tell, particularly when I talk to parents. The truth is, as human beings, we all have broken sexual narratives. We all have things in our past that we look back at and say, man, I don't know how I ended up there, but I did. The good news is we are children of a forgiving God. He wants to forgive us. And those experiences are not for nothing. I couldn't be doing this work today if I didn't know what I know from those experiences. Yeah. If I yeah. didn't know what I know from looking at porn, from traveling as a VP of sales and marketing for a number of different companies, traveling the world, and I would end up in a hotel and I would turn on porn and I would say, I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm being good. Yeah. No, I wasn't. <laughs> it's just like victimless crime almost. Like no one's really getting hurt. I'm not going out onto the street and finding a prostitute, but. By definition, what's a prostitute? <laughs> yep. I mean, it's this issue is is part of the human condition, right? God created us to be sexual creatures. That's not the problem. The problem is what we do with it. What happens with pornography is we don't understand that we become addicted to our own brain chemicals, to dopamine, to the endorphins, delta fosb, B, oxytocin, all these chemicals that are produced they're good, but pornography produces them in ridiculous amounts. Yeah. And the body starts to say, I need more. I need more. I need more. Yeah. And that's where the addiction comes in. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Um, just jumping back to kind of what you said about manhood. And uh, it kind of struck me like 
your version of manhood was so close to what it should be, but it was just that slightly twisted a little bit, just like porn. Like it's like just that slight twist that changes it all. So like you said, I can drink the most. And that's like a sign of endurance. Like, you know, men are supposed to be able to endure more than anyone else. Like the weight of the world is on our shoulders. Uh, Men are supposed to be strong. We're not supposed to be violent, but we're supposed to be able to defend ourselves. Uh, you know, and it's just these slight little twists that kind of will get you in this mind trap. I was talking to a priest a number of years ago when I came back to the church. And, um, you know, when I was younger, it's not that I didn't believe in God. I, I kind of always believed in God. But that's something for when I'm older. I don't have to worry about that now. Yeah. And, when you settle down with children, then you go back. Yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and and so came back to church and, and my kids did play a huge role in that, honestly. Um, and I was talking to a priest one time and he gave me a great, a great analogy of, of what sin is. Sin is not the 180 degree opposite of good. Sin is five degrees off. Mm. And over time, that five degrees has really taken you way off course in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your relationship, blah, 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 and everything. But it's five degrees. You see, the devil doesn't want to work hard, guys. And he knows with us, he doesn't have to. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, we're actually currently reading the screw tape letters. And by C.S. Lewis. By C.S. Lewis. I and love so, it. Yeah, it's wild. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's exactly what it is, where they think that they're doing this. The patient thinks that they're doing this. Just lead them a little bit this way or don't let them fully jump into that or let them think that they're doing that. Well, just not. That's how it is. And one of the things I love about the screw tape letters is particularly in this area of, of um, sexual sin, pornography, lust, the, the head demon talks to the junior guy, right? Because the junior guy is saying, well, with this patient, this is what I'm going to do. And he says, be very careful there because now you're entering the, em the enemy's role. Mm -hmm. He created pleasure and sex to be good. Be very careful using that. Yeah. Um, before we get started, how this all came about was we were watching, or we read a book called Porn Myths. And so I was like, this is incredibly valuable. Everybody needs to read it. But then again, like getting getting people to read that book, like their wife walks in, what are you doing? Bro? It was just like this weird conversation, all that. So I wanted somebody who kind of was well-versed in this. The Googling that I had to do to find somebody who didn't make excuses for porn or, you know, like validate it or justify it, it was absurd. And yeah. so that's what led me to you guys. And I'm so happy that you guys got back to me and reached out and we do I'm have a thrilled. List, we do have a list of questions that um I have for you. Um and we can kind of take that and go through them and then the conversation can kind of kind of flow that way. Um Perfect. the first thing is what is porn and how exactly does it affect the mind, body, and spirit? It's interesting. Back in the uh back in the 60s, I think it was, um th that question was posed in Congress. What is pornography? And and the answer was, I'll know it when I see it. Right. So defining pornography can be a very difficult thing, but I think there's a simple definition. Any images that depict the sexual act and are primarily used for your own pleasure, you're just consuming, you're not giving. Yeah. And sexuality 
good, healthy sexuality is never meant to be a consuming thing. It's meant to be a giving thing, self-giving. Yeah, like I don't want to get too vulgar, but like one of the greatest turn-ons for me is when I actually satisfy my wife, you know, and I know she's enjoying it. And like that makes me want to satisfy her more, you know? So I'm going to give you a little trick here, my brother. (laughs) Uh, When I first came back to the church, I had, I'm Catholic, you know, crucifixes, images, statues everywhere except the bedroom. And I was like, no, 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 no. You can't. I'm sorry, Lord. You can't come in there. You know, we do things. <laughs> There's things we do. And and I was talking to a priest buddy, buddy of mine, a much older guy, and he, he laughed at me. And he says, you're an idiot, Jimmy. Who do you think invented sex? And I was like, oh. Who do you think told you to be fruitful and multiply? Yeah. So now before my wife and I make love, I say a quick prayer. And it's a simple thing. Lord, let me touch her the way she needs to be touched. Let me love her the way she needs to be loved. Period. End of story. And it changes the game. I'm telling you, gentlemen, it changes the game. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The more you give, the more you get back. So, Hey, man, absolutely. (laughs) Guys, if you want really good sex, love your wife till she's screaming. (laughs) <laughs> i mean yep absolutely um so you kind of define porn as image only but man it goes so much further than just that like you know uh music we can see porn in music today and yeah. books we can see it in books it isn't just this uh visual aspect uh very very true uh if you look at one of the best-selling books of all time uh 50 shades of it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, th- that tells you that there's a lot of room for a lot of different pornographic uh, influences to come into our life. Music. Certainly. Um, maybe I'm giving something away here. My first concert when I was 13 years old was kiss oh. and man, I freaking love kiss. I still do. Uh, my daughter's first concert. I brought her to a kiss concert at 13. My son's first concert, 11 kiss concerts. So, uh, but when you listen to some of the lyrics, you're like, Whoa, wait a second. And that is completely tame to the lyrics that are being produced today. Yeah. Right. Uh, they are completely graphic. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. It's they are completely, completely graphic and they are completely selfish and i think that again comes back to that point of sexuality being a selfish narcissistic experience or true sexuality god's gift of sexuality being a giving experience yeah absolutely. so how does porn affect your mind body and spirit uh so we'll we'll start with the mind you do become addicted to the various brain chemicals that are produced Pornography, because of um, people don't sit and watch a pornographic movie anymore. They're scrolling through thousands and thousands and thousands of clips most of the time. So that truly, in your mind, is like having relations with that many partners. Your mind doesn't know any different. And so the brain starts to shut down the dopamine receptors because it says it's too much. And then the only way to get back to baseline to that good feeling is you have to view more and more hours and hours more or 
harder and harder types of pornography. And I can't tell you the amount of times that heterosexual men, husbands, dads, grandfathers have come to me and freaked out because the only way they get turned on now is by gay porn mm -hmm. because they need something new. The brain's always looking for something novel. Yeah. Or stick porn or violence. Uh, and, and ultimately, unfortunately, the end of the road uh, for that is, is child pornography, um, which is increasing for just this reason. Yeah. That the, it's not that these people are pedophiles. They just keep looking for something new and they end up on that. And yeah. it's exciting. And then people are getting arrested. People are acting out. It's that's what it's doing in your brain. In your body, one of the big problems, um, that little blue pill, right, Viagra, uh, that was invented, first of all, as a heart drug. They found out one of the byproducts of it is for guys with erectile dysfunction, it brought back some function. So that was a good thing. So they started marketing it for that and sales took off. But if you look at the first 10 years of sales of Viagra, it was to 65 and older men. Mm. Ah. Yeah. The average man today who's taking Viagra is in his 30s. I vaguely remember that, actually, Crazy. that it was just for old men. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, it, it, he's in their 30s. And and in fact, in the UK, I just read a study that um, they're giving it to, to boys as young as 14 years old uh, because oh. they've been watching so much porn. They have porn-induced erectile dysfunction. And um, instead of solving the problem, get them off porn for a while, their body will heal and come back. They say, no, I'll take the pill. We're always looking for that silver bullet, but pornography can do a lot of damage to the male body uh, in terms of erectile dysfunction. Uh, it's also very dangerous for both men and women in that at some point in your habit, it's not going to be enough. And that's when really, really risky sexually be uh, sexual behaviors start to incorporate themselves in your life mm -hmm. and so you know for a married person you could be bringing home a sexually transmitted disease to your spouse uh, to a single person you could be getting sexually transmitted diseases and passing them on and not knowing it and then for those in the industry who are actually performing um, most of them have very very short careers because Drug use increases dramatically, alcoholism. And then finally, at some point, your body can't take it. I've spoken to women who are young in their late 20s, and they've had two or three rectal surgeries uh, to correct the trauma and damage that has happened to them in filming these movies. Yeah, it's not healthy. So would you say that the drug and alcohol use is to kind of like numb it and make it possible to continue? Of course, of course. Uh, and many of them started out and believing, particularly on the female side, that this is empowering. And I get it. You're a young woman. Uh, you need money. You have not great prospects. This seems like an easy thing to do. But the consequences yeah. lead down very dark roads. And, and very few come out of the industry unscathed, uh, physically, emotionally, psychologically. And finally, spiritually. And spiritually, what ends up happening with increased pornography use is we, we draw away from the people and the things that used to make us happy. 
and porn is the only thing that can make us happy now. And that translates into even God can't make me happy. One of the core beliefs of an addict is that if anybody really knew me, they couldn't love me. And yeah. not even not even God can satisfy satisfy my needs. Only porn can. Yeah, there's like this guilt and the shame that uh, will will cut you off from like the light of your your soul, you know, where, yeah, yeah you, you you've uh, sequestered yourself away from everything. Mm hmm. Um, just jumping back to the body for one second. So we talked about male erectile dysfunction. Um, is there anything that happens to the female body from watching porn kind of of a similar vein like that? Uh, so anorgasmia uh, is is a thing that happens where the woman is uh, incapable of having an orgasm um, with her partner. Uh, the only way she could do it is by herself watching pornography. Yeah. And um that is is increasingly common today as well. And the problem is nobody, I don't care who you are, can compete with thousands and thousands of images with a very specific type, with uh, the story, the perfect storyline that you like. So it's no wonder that men and women are having increased trouble uh, in the bedroom yeah. because you can't compete with that. In Japan, for example, the government is now getting involved because I can't remember the Japanese word for it, but the literal translation is, it's a bother. So the young people in Japan would rather work, come home, watch pornography, masturbate, and play video games, than go out on a date. Yeah. I wow. heard this crazy thing, too, that uh, they were just talking to a bunch of Japanese women on the street, and they're like, do you think prostitution's Okay. And then the answer was, yeah, that's perfectly acceptable as long as I know about it. And and wow. that was the answer that all of them gave. And they took it that next step where it's not just watching porn. It's like, well, you know, they they have sexual desires and as long they need to have them fulfilled. And as long as they're being honest about it, you know, how could I provide for all their needs? I'm only one person. Like, it's sad. Wow. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's really, really sad. It's very sad. There was a study out by the Barna Group not too long ago, uh, self-identified Christian kids. So I think 24 and younger, 18 to 24, that kind of thing. Uh, very, very simple question. What's a bigger sin, not recycling or watching pornography? Two-thirds of the respondents said not recycling. Mm. I'm telling you. That's shocking to me. Like we grew up in a church. So like maybe, and maybe this is just because we've got the background in it. And I mean, the boys were at cell group every Friday night, keeping each other accountable and asking how many times it, like it was a, it was a topic, yeah. but I have friends who never have talked about this before in their life. They've never heard of why porn might be bad or detrimental to the relationship, to the female, to it. That's shocking to me. Yeah. And these are self-identified Christian kids, right? So yeah. Uh, you know, believers. And because of the culture that we are surrounded by, they, it's completely normalized. Those Japanese uh, women today, it doesn't surprise me. It's so normalized. Mm -hmm. uh, does watching porn affect day-to-day -day activities like work or, or reading or fitness or anything like that? Oh, yeah. So there's a really interesting uh, study out. If you go on the Integrity Restored website, integritystored.com, you can download a, a free ebook, uh, Exposed, a company's worst nightmare. Um, 
But if you look at the statistics, the majority of pornography is viewed between the hours of 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Wow. The vast majority. Yeah. Uh, And companies, when when I talk to companies about this, they all say the same thing. Not at my place. We've got everything locked down. They couldn't do it. And I say, do you take everybody's cell phone when they walk <laughs> in the door? Yeah, those 20 yeah. minute bathroom breaks. Oh, so, no. Exactly right. Exactly right. We had a I had a young lady not too long ago. Uh, very, very sad story. She uh, very well educated, got a big job on Wall Street, making a couple hundred grand a year uh, right out of college. And she got fired because she was spending three to four hours a day in the bathroom watching pornography on her phone and masturbating. Crazy. And so it can happen, right? Um, and and pornography addiction doesn't have any demographic. Young, old, male, female, church, no church, doesn't matter. Yeah. And so what it ends up doing is it takes, it's a time stealer. It's the biggest time stealer in these people's lives. It takes time away from your job. You lose the ability to focus because you're thinking of your next hit, just like a drug addict or alcoholic. It takes time away from your family. And more importantly, you don't want that connection with your family because if you're really connected, somebody's going to find out. Yeah, absolutely. Do men get something different out of porn than women do? Or does it all just kind of stem to that dopamine hit? So the dopamine hit is the biggest thing. Um, There are some differences when you look at the statistics of what men like to watch versus women. Um, But at the end of the day, when you're watching pornographic images, highly sexualized images, the goal is the same, right? Your quick pleasure. And men and women both masturbate to orgasm when they're watching pornography. And so really... While there's nuance to the type of things that are viewed, it's the same thing happening in the body and the brain. Sure. Okay. There's two types of orgasms, guys. I thought this I would be this. a cool one. I didn't know that. I know okay. this. Lay it on. There's two types of orgasms. Uh, the first is is a resolved orgasm, and that is between a healthy monogamous couple who are in love. And you go up, you know, this mountain to the peak and you have an orgasm and a little plateau. And then it's a very gentle slope down where your dopamine is regulating nicely. Yeah. As you're just lying in bed with your partner, spooning them from behind, it's that slow, gradual. Exactly. Correct. When, when you're watching pornography and masturbating, it's the same climb up the hill, same orgasm and plateau, and then a steep drop where dopamine All the endorphins, they drop off so quickly, you need it again, which is why so many people spend hours and hours watching pornography, even when they can't have an orgasm again, refractory period, everything else, they, they still want more because of that drop. They need that chemical back. So resolved and unresolved. Unresolved. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And like, so daily activities, like, uh, yeah, obviously people are doing it at work now, I guess. And, uh, fitness is another big one. Like after you orgasm, I don't think you want to go to the gym and go for a mile run, you know, but if you do, you would get those same dopamine hits, you know, you would still get like the same endorphins and stuff going through you. That's what we tell people all the time. If you're struggling with this and you want to stop one of the, one of the 
I mean, I'm going to tell you Integrity Resort has three pillars, strong scientific uh, therapy and counseling, an increase in the spiritual life and spiritual direction, and then finally uh, community and accountability because we can't do it alone. But a trick, 15 minutes of active distraction. When that temptation hits you, get up, physically change your location and do something physical. Turn on the radio and dance. Do some push-ups. Go for a walk. You're still going to get a dopamine hit. It's not going to be the same level as pornography because pornography is hyper stimulating uh, that chemical production, but you'll get enough to go through the temptation. Yeah. And like, you know, excess is bad. It's not a good thing necessarily to have this huge excessive dopamine hit. Like that's, you know, that, that kind of gradual increase that you get from working out is way better. Even though you're not getting as much, it carries on longer. Uh, Absolutely. I, I, there's an interesting thing. The Taoist monks, centuries and centuries ago, if you were to be a Taoist monk, these are the guys that taught the incredible Kung Fu, right? You can you can break a cinder block over their head. Nothing happens to these men. And they said, if you masturbate, you will get hurt in this training. You may never masturbate because when you do, you lose your essence, your male vitality. And there's truth to that. Growing up Catholic high school, playing football, the coach would always say, do not see your girlfriend the night before the game. Yeah, I've heard yeah Mike that. Tyson is, uh, I think he, he was famous for that too. Yeah. And yeah. there's a truth to it, right? People look at me like I'm crazy when I say that stuff. And I say, well, just look back thousands of years and you show me a man today that could do what these monks do. And maybe then I'll agree with you that masturbation and pornography is good, but it never happens. <laughs> yeah. So I know that the internet has kind of made porn more prevalent, but why has it become more socially acceptable in the last 15, 20 years? Uh, I think there's almost been a, a real, um, well, I think there's two, two reasons. Number one, media, just regular mainstream media has made a joke out of it for so long and made it normalized even in women's minds that, well, this is just something guys do. So it's not a big deal. Uh, We also have the medical profession uh, and the psychological uh, mental health helping professions recommending it in many cases. Yeah. uh, That, that it's good for you. I was just, I was just reading a study. It was so interesting. Uh, These doctors uh, somewhere in the UK or somewhere in Europe did a whole study out how men need to have a certain number of orgasms a week for their prostate health. And if they don't do it, they're at risk of cancer. And so if your wife's not giving it to you enough, you need to be masturbating. And I'm reading all this, reading all this. And then I look at the data. And when they finally get to the data, they say specifically, while we realize this data does not support this hypothesis, because it doesn't, they didn't care. They publish it anyway. As long as the headline is juicy, that's all you need. That's it. Um, I was watching this podcast the other day. It was kind of a group of girls and some are conservative, some are more liberal. And then there's kind of a guy who kind of moderates between everybody. And they were talking about marriage and sex. And these two prostitutes had said that they give marriage advice. And sometimes you need a prostitute to 
you know, give you marriage advice, make your, your, your marriage healthier. To and- help work through the sexual kind of problems. That podcast was called the wow. whatever podcast. <laughs> wow. I was shocked. Uh, it's not the first time I've heard such a thing, um, but, but it's really sad. And here's a, I, I think, um, what's the word? A common yeah. problem in marriages. And that is sexual communication. For whatever reason, we as human beings really, really struggle uh, to communicate what we like, what we want. And it's so sad that in marriages where you communicate everything else with your spouse, believe me, your spouse knows every flaw, every mole, every wrinkle that you have. Why can't we talk to each other and say, hey, I like this, do this, or that does not make me feel good. And I I think it's important for us, if we want to have sexual, uh, good, healthy sexual marital relations, we we need to communicate. You got to talk about it, right? Don't just shut off the lights and do it in the dark and hope everything's going for the best. Yeah. In your experience with counseling different couples and whatever, what would you say is the path from when the porn addiction starts to when the marriage kind of erupts? The the porn addiction has usually started well before the marriage, well before the marriage. Uh, Again, for most most kids, uh, I was probably 12 when I saw my first Playboy magazine. Today, it's between eight and 10. So it's always been younger boys. but it used to be difficult to get. Now it's easy. So the porn addiction starts well before the marriage. And what happens is at some point, somehow, there's disclosure. The D word, I call it, disclosure. And that disclosure is the wife usually finds out the husband has been using porn and masturbating throughout the whole marriage. There's a lot of different ways they find out. Uh, sometimes it's just, I picked up your phone and I saw what the heck is this on your phone? Uh, or the couple's not having sex anymore because the husband's not interested in having sex. He'd much rather watch pornography and masturbate. Um, and then the wife experiences something called betrayal trauma. And that betrayal trauma is diagnosable. It looks just like PTSD. So the good news is, because we've done so much work in the area of PTSD, we know how to really help with the betrayal trauma. Uh, But she is going to feel physical symptoms, emotional dysregulation, extreme sadness, uh, betrayal, abandonment, Um, whether it's politically correct or not. When a woman marries a man, that is her knight in shining armor. That is her protector and provider. That is the person she trusts the most in the world with everything. And now that suit of armor that he's always been wearing is really dirty and really rusty. And so it's a really, really damaging experience uh, for the woman's psyche because she's going to say, I can never compete, for example, with these younger girls. I've had three kids. My body's not the way it used to be. Or he's watching porn and they're doing this thing. And I can't do that. Yeah. It hurts. It's painful. Whatever. So she feels like she can never compete. 
And so for the woman it is is really hard. Yeah, it's crazy. Like we were watching a TV show called One Tree Hill and uh this show's maybe 10 15 years old, but the one episode the 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 wife found out the husband was watching porn or whatever and yeah, like it was hurt. It was betrayal. And she said literally all those things that you just said where it's like, well, I can't do that. Like, I, I don't know how he expects me to do that. How do I compete? And it's so interesting that while that show is not really that old and it wasn't even like a Christian right. show or anything, that mindset 10 or 15 years ago was so different. Right. Um, the, the biggest lie today for couples is that, you know, bring pornography into the bedroom. It's going to help your sex life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it doesn't. Uh, there's there's a there's a human reality. Yes, it may be very arousing. I'm not going to say it's not going to be arousing. What I'm going to say is it's not going to help your sex life. Right. Going so back definitely to my is not going to help your marriage. Amen. Absolutely not. What's going to help is communication. Right. And uh, I call it intimacy. When we talk about intimacy, we talk about in our minds we think physical, sexual intimacy. But what about non-sexual physical intimacy, hugs, holding hands, kisses on the cheek. What about financial intimacy? Knowing you guys are in this together and you both know everything that's going on in the finances, spiritual intimacy. You pray together. You talk about God together. Expectation intimacy. You dream together. Still, no matter how many years you've been married, you dream together. That you build all those intimacies, guys, your sex life's going to be better. I promise yeah. you. I feel like we're we're nailing a couple of these yeah, things. I like know. even right now, me and B are kind of playing footsies under the <laughs> table together. Like, you know, there's that touch. We we have every week we have a conversation where it's us and we talk about our ideas, our dreams, our goals, our struggles, you know, all these intimate details where we reveal it to each other. And yeah, like it's it's so important. If you can't trust your partner, like if you can't. I love you guys. <laughs> um, back in the day, you'd hear about like furry. You're but... living it. You're living it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, back in the day, you'd hear about furries or bondage or role play, and you kind of just assumed that, um, like as odd as it was, it was just private in the bedroom and whatever. But now we seem to have fetishes played out more on the internet, TV, and even in real life in schools, in the workplace. How should somebody respond to that, especially at the risk of like losing their job or custody of their children is now a big topic of conversation? Yeah. Um, what ends up happening is pornography use, the addiction is always going to escalate, right? Um, just like with an alcoholic, uh, drug addict, doesn't matter. It has to escalate. Your body builds up a tolerance. And so as you build up that tolerance, you start looking for uh, more and more extreme things. And those extreme things, because of your hurt brain, seem completely normal and good. Yeah. And now people uh, are so uh, we we've we've done a disservice with the Christian ideal of do not judge lest you be judged. And so we 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 kind of say, well, that means everything's okay. Anybody can do anything. That, well, that's not true. Because these people are hurting children. These ideas are hurting children. These ideas are breaking up families. So we need to say something. Yeah. In mercy, these people are there because something happened. Yeah. Right. 
it's not normal to dress up as an adult woman as a cat and want to be sexually gratified while you are dressed as a cat. It's mm-hmm. not there's something happened. Yeah, something happened. Yeah, that's what I always think. It's literally treat me like an animal and make me feel good. And it I I don't understand that logic in any regard. We we did have a furry on one of our episodes and, at one time, and it was interesting because he made it sound, at least in his example, it wasn't sexual. It was a different type of role like play. Yeah, just like I would role play as a knight in the backyard swinging around a sword and saving princesses. It's kind of this role playing thing, but it it seems to always go sexual with that. Um, that's human nature, right? That's human nature. Uh, that's human nature. Uh, the you've you've heard about the three F's, right? The three F part of our brain: fight, freeze, flee. I add a fourth one: fornicate. That's in the <laughs> deepest part of our brain the reptile brain the non-thinking part of our brain god made it so so that we could procreate and populate the earth i get it but all this all this crap all this garbage that we're feeding our minds by watching this stuff warps that and then you know you get some very strange fetishes and kinks that people normalize yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah like one of the craziest like escalations that now we're going to be faced with is I was on Reddit and we saw this guy talking about his AI girlfriend and we were reading comments. And the one guy said he used an AI girlfriend for porn purposes and it comes with voice and pictures and it can do exactly how you kind of want to program it. Um, like this is the next huge battle where it's like this is the next escalation of it. When now um, we're not even involving humans at all. Correct. AI is extremely dangerous. Uh, the sex robot industry uh, is blowing up. And, you know, there was a story here um, somewhere in the South not too long ago about a, a teacher. Um, she she put on some AR goggles somehow with with her kids had them. I don't remember the story, but in the in the room she went into, she was gang raped. Yikes. And she was, you know, she pulled off the goggles. She was shocked. But this is going to be more and more common, right? And the problem is the brain doesn't know it's not real, guys. We tell ourselves online pornography is harmless. It's not real. It's just pictures. The brain doesn't know that. Yeah. The brain thinks it's really real. So even if she never physically experienced it mentally, her head is PTSD. Exactly right. Correct. hundred percent. I mean, that's terrifying. Um, it's really terrifying. And, and I have a, I have a friend of mine that, that is uh, involved in, in some of the AI uh, business stuff, developing some technology. And he's really struggling because he just sees the dark places that it's going to go, yeah. that it's yeah. not, there is a lot of good it can do. But unfortunately, human beings being human beings, we're going to take it to a really bad extreme really quickly. Yeah. Um, I feel like growing up, sex work meant just prostitution. And there was kind of like a line in the sand. It was still kind of niche or not really talked about. Yeah, like if you're not out on the streets slinging your wares, like you're not really a prostitute. Yeah. But how would you define sex work today, given the Internet and all the capabilities? 
Oh, my goodness. There's so many different opportunities for sex work today. Um, OnlyFans, um, massage services, uh, you know, obviously prostitution, sugar babies and sugar daddies. And that's an interesting one that you mentioned that specifically, because, yeah, that's essentially what it is, trading your body for security and financial benefit. Yeah, I mean, there are websites designed specifically to link those people up. It's usually college girls, college age girls, whether they're in school or not. And then older, uh, mature, successful gentlemen. And and they pay their rent and they buy them things and they take them on vacations and out to great meals and all that. And with the expectation, and they all say the same thing. Well, no, 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 it's not about sex. It's about the date. It's about the companionship. But if sex happens, well, I, I don't know many 20-year-old girls that that are really, really turned on by a 65 or 70-year-old man. Um, can't see it. Don't get it. Yeah. So and I don't see many 65-year-old men that are like intellectually stimulated or like enough to keep up with a 20-year-old. Yeah. Well, what are you going to talk about? They know nothing about the world and it, like the broader scheme of things. There's no relation there. Correct. There's no mutual experiences. So yeah. what are you going to talk about? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, the the only fan, fans kind of explosion is really scaring me um, because there's a lot of young girls. Again, they're being told this is empowering. You own your own body. You own your own sexuality. You do with it what you want and you might as well get paid for it, girlfriend. And I'm like, wow. Um so many of these young women, they do it and they do make money. That's for sure. Guys are willing to pay. Uh, but the damage that's done to them spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, yeah. every every young woman that has done that that I've spoken to did not start out doing sex work on OnlyFans or any of those sites. They started out modeling, quote unquote. Yeah. So bikinis or sexy little outfits, revealing dresses. But they weren't getting the money that they're watching these other girls get. I was just going to kind of ask, what would you say to the people who were like, well, no, it doesn't matter to me, but now I can support my family and now I can travel and I only work a couple hours a week and I've changed my entire family's life. And like, it doesn't, it's fine. That's That means nothing to me when it compares to the opportunities that I have because of it. And And we hear a lot of women say that a lot of young women say that and and i ask a question a simple question um 20 years from now your 18 year old son comes across that footage mm. what yeah. do you say to him yeah don't look it's, it's gonna happen well no it's all gone by that yeah. no it's not none of that's gone just like i tell parents your child does not need snapchat Unless your child is working for the CIA as some kind of undercover operative, <laughs> they do not need a technology that the message goes away after a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and here's the thing. The message isn't gone. It's still on Snapchat servers. They yeah. have been hacked. That material has been stolen and shared on all kinds of pornographic sites. And it's the same thing with OnlyFans. That yeah. stuff lives on in per perpetuity. Yeah. Do you want that over your head? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other big damage, too, that OnlyFans does is like, yeah, of course, it, it's so detrimental to the woman, but also like the men that they then interact with, they're all just fucking scumbags, you know? Yes. And then that changes yes. their worldview on all of men. Yeah. Where it's like, well, all men are like this. It's like, I'm not like that, though. Yeah. Right. You know, right. there are right. good men. My friends aren't like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and how could it not be if if you are reduced as a woman to your body parts, because gentlemen, you're full of shit. If you say it's not true, if she's on there, modestly dressed, talking to you, you're not giving her tokens. If she's so showing her boobs, if she's spreading her legs, if she's doing the things you want, then you're giving her the tokens. So it becomes transactional and yeah. she's only worth as much as her body will earn her. How freaking sad is that? Yeah. Oh, man. And yeah, there's no way that that mindset just won't bleed into every relationship that they try to have from, from then on out. Where it's I like, was, you know, you, your your husband comes home and he brings you flowers and you're like, oh, shoot, does does he want sex now from me? I he, want, he wants to get lucky tonight. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It becomes everything's transactional. I was watching a uh, uh, Instagram uh, reel uh, just last night, actually. It was a was a young woman who was doing um, those OnlyFans things and couldn't find a boyfriend. No matter what she did, she couldn't find a boyfriend. A real head-scratcher, that one. <laughs> yeah. All men were dicks. Uh, they all wanted only one thing. And the, the guy who was interviewing her said, well, I don't do that. I'm not like that. And she said, yeah, but, you know, you don't make 200 grand a year either, so I wouldn't talk to you. So her whole life becomes transactional, even yeah. looking for a boyfriend. How much yeah. money do you make? What car do you drive? How tall are you? Blah, blah, blah. Not what is what is your character like? Not at all. Doesn't enter into the equation. And those are the things that women need. Those are the, the protection and the strength and the resilience. Leadership. Leadership. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've dated guys who have watched porn and I've done because I grew up in the church. I'm like, this isn't okay. I don't feel comfortable with this. And their response would be, well, everybody does it. It's fine. Or, well, don't let them do it alone. Just let them do it with you. What, like, why do women justify it that way? And why do they feel like if they're included in it, it it's better for them? Well, I think the inclusion is, is probably at least it's not being held secret from me anymore. Um, yeah, kind of like what those Japanese women were saying, where it's like, yeah, right. I know he's doing it at least. Like, yeah, he's not lying about it. We're doing it together. I particularly don't like it, but it makes him happy. But I think what has ended up happening and, and you know, somebody's probably going to get mad that I say this, but I'm saying it on your yeah. show. So <laughs> uh, I think women allow themselves to be dumbed down to the lowest common denominator. You know what, women? I don't know. You guys could see my eyes. You could see my face. Do not accept that shit. You yeah. don't have to accept that garbage. Expect your man to be a good man with integrity. Not that he's not without sin or without faults, but he's fighting the good fight for you, his woman, every yeah. day. Yeah, exactly. We're all climbing that mountain and sometimes you catch that slippery rock and you slide back five feet, but that's when you brush yourself off, climb back up. Yeah. I yeah. think it's the self-worth thing too, where you accept the love you think you deserve. 
Mm-hmm. And and the love you deserve is so much more than you can ever imagine. Yeah. So much more. Just not for any other reason than you are God's beloved. You're created by him. That's an amazing thing. You are a human being. There's no design. There's nothing the world has ever manufactured, could ever manufacture, that comes close to the human body. We are incredible creatures. Yeah. You cut There's, yourself, you heal. Like that's that alone un- is crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, right? When you really we don't stop to think of it, we take it all for granted. But we're breathing, we're talking, we're smiling, we're looking, we're communicating. This is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. No porn or the accountability around porn, that to me is typically a Christian or religious perspective. Why is that? And how do we bridge the gap to people who don't go to church? And yeah, because like, yeah, it's not just a Christian mindset or like a religious mindset. Like, and it's so easy to just throw it in. Oh, that's just those crazy Christians at it again. How do you kind of battle that? Well, and it's it's really it's really funny, guys, because two of the biggest uh, organizations in this battle, no fap, uh, <laughs> yeah, is yeah. one of them. Uh, and and fight the new drug. Uh, they're both secular organizations. They have okay. no religious affiliation whatsoever. And what they've done is look at the science. And that's what I tell people all the time. When you are having this kind, if you yourself today are not struggling, you know and love someone who is. It's that ubiquitous. Period. End of story. So let's accept that, and let's stop talking about this as a moral issue and start talking about the science. We can prove Mm. what is going on in your body and in your brain to say this is detrimental, just like we did with tobacco decades ago, right? Now every pack of cigarettes has Surgeon General warning, this and that. Porn needs that. Yeah. Yeah. So so don't appeal to a higher power that they don't believe in. Appeal to something raw and tangible. Well, even with kids, Um, Even with believing kids, Christian kids, if you go right to this is sinful, you'll go to hell. Blah, 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 blah. They don't believe you. Then that's when the shame kicks in. And then that's when it goes into secrecy. And then that can really get to a dark place then. But when you start talking to young people about the science of what's actually happening in their brain, what's happening neurochemically in their body, then they're like, whoa, wait, I didn't know that. But, you know, it makes sense because... Yeah. I do feel that way. That does happen to me. It's all that that experience of, wait, this is real now. He's not just telling me it's bad. He's telling me what's happening. Like, yeah. he's me. He knows. Yeah. Look, son, do you want your dick to work when you're when you're thirty? Exactly. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with having that conversation as a father to son, and there's nothing wrong with saying, "I've been there. I've struggled with it." It was a hell of a thing to beat. Don't go there, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. How many uh, children do you have? I have two kids. Uh, I have a, a, a 34-year-old daughter who's married and, and has twin 10-year-olds. And then I have a 24-year-old son. Cool. And so... Uh, so you, that, you've obviously kind of had conversations with him about it? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, then my and, next question would be like... How do you broach it? And at what age should you broach it? Well, yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking like for your daughter, like 
would you broach it or is that kind of like you and your wife would broach it together or like just the wife? Just the wife? How would that work with females? Um, I think it needs to be both. And I think it needs to be together and individually with both your kids because a child needs both perspectives. Mm -hmm. They need the feminine genius from the mom and they need the masculine genius from the dad. And there is no reason we should be ashamed to have these conversations with our children. Again, we talked about in the beginning of the show, leave your own broken sexual narrative at the door. Your children do not have that. They are pure. They are learning. They are sponges. And the fact of the matter is you have to have this, you know, when we were growing up, when I was growing up, I'm older than you guys. Um, we, if you were lucky, you had a birds and bees talk with one of your parents, Yeah, but it was one and done. Yeah. Mine this, was sex is for married couples. It's a gift from God. Mm-hmm. And that's all you get. You can talk about it, I guess, yeah. with somebody when you're married. The only safe sex is abstinence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, see these conversations, you can't do it anymore. If you want to raise healthy kids, you better not be doing that. Yeah. And I tell parents all the time, once your kid starts excuse me, understanding, you need to start having these conversations because if the average age of first exposure is between eight and 10, that means half the kids who are exposed are younger than eight. Oh, right? shoot. That's yeah. a weird thought. Because it's the average. Man, like there's that sound of freedom movement and like oh, they're getting just... children as young as like two. I mean, yes, no, I've heard about things, some of that like, stuff where yikes. the umbilical cord is not even Yep. Yep. So you need to be having these conversations early and often. And here's a real simple one. You have young kids. Um, There's a great book out there called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And what it says in that book, just to give you the, the nugget, the sweet synopsis, if somebody shows you or you see pictures or images or movies of body parts that should be covered by a bathing suit, you need to tell mommy or daddy right away. The kid does not freak out. They don't, they don't freak out. They're like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. So yeah. now if they are ever confronted, they're going to come to you. Yeah, yeah. The other things I tell parents all the time is when, not if, when your child tells you that they've been exposed to pornography, do not freak out. Do not yell, do not scream, do not be angry with that child. It is not their fault. Mm. We, as adults, we as parents and grandparents have allowed the world to get to this place where it is so easy and so common for kids to be exposed. I mean, now it's in schools as early as grade two. I I just did a radio show with Ireland where they have decided over there that um, uh, parents are not equipped or capable to provide sex education to their children. So the schools will do it. And as young as pre-K, they will be teaching the children how to masturbate because that is their right. Yeah, you don't own the children anymore. The government does. Terrifying. 
terrifying. So how does, how would you say pornography influences body image and self-esteem, particularly in the young people who are still kind of learning and growing and forming this self-worth and kind of their own identity in this world? So body dysmorphia among people who watch pornography is a really, really real thing. Um, and it doesn't matter male and female uh, for different reasons, right? So a, a female watching a lot of pornography, she's not going to be able to, she's going to have wrinkles. And when she sits up, her belly is going to have a fold in it and her thighs may touch and blah, 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 blah. Well, a lot of these are airbrushed and camera angles. These women have real bodies too. You're just not seeing it because of the way they shoot it. But yeah. her her body is never going to be good enough in her eyes. Um, for for men, uh, increasingly, uh, it, well, it's two things. It's the body now. Many of the male actors are very built uh, in in pornography now, which they didn't used to be, but now they are. Uh, but it's also penis size. And that becomes a huge, huge problem uh, for young men where they just don't feel like they measure up. Well, of course you don't. These guys who are doing these movies are the outliers. Yeah. It's like playing basketball with a professional. You just are not going to, you don't. Exactly. Exactly. But that's the one percenters. You're completely normal and you feel like you're not normal. And that's the problem. I mean, I, I feel like we're kind of, oh, I mean, we're not, we escaped all of that, but we escaped all of that malarkey, (laughs) but what would you define as some of the societal consequences of the widespread availability of this content, um, such as even desensitization to violence or the objectification of people, even on the streets? A couple of things. There was an interesting, um, uh, quote I came across a number of years ago, the American Association of Matrimonial Lawyers, a nice word for defense, uh, divorce attorneys. Mm. And, uh, they said in, in, in up to two thirds of divorces, pornography played a role. Mm. So it's damaging families and relationships. Absolutely. I was yeah. talking to a buddy of mine I grew up with and he's a good, real good guy. Still love him. He kind of thinks the work I do is crazy. Like, I watch porn, Jim. What's the big deal? I said, okay. I'm just going to ask you one question, and I don't want an answer today. I actually want you to go away and think about it. When you are traveling on business, a very successful guy, and you're watching a lot of porn, does it change the way you look at people? Yeah. He got quiet. He went away, went on a business trip overseas, came back. He said, you bastard. (laughs) I said, what do you mean? He goes, you're freaking right. I did what you said. Yes, it does. I kind of start looking at everybody for their body parts or the fantasy of what they could do for me. And I said, well, that's what I want you to think about, brother. So it is not a victimless crime. Number yeah. one, it's hurting you. And number two, it's hurting everybody else you come in contact with, and they don't even know why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the desensitization of violence. This one's interesting. Uh, I've been with a couple people or whatever, and uh, 
you know, they asked for some like light choking, like nothing crazy, obviously. But even that, it, I, it, it, I don't like that. Like, I, I don't want to choke you. Like, where did you get that idea from that I need to choke you? Porn, probably. Yeah. Well, yes, absolutely. That's exactly where, because all of that has become normalized, right? Yeah. Uh, fish hooking while, while you're, you're, you know, spitting. having spitting on each other. I mean, no way. But yeah. because you see it so frequently, it you become desensitized to it. And for a lot of young people, they actually think that's how sex is supposed to be. Yes. When you have sex, you're supposed to be in 14 different positions, none of which are comfortable for the woman or the man. You're <laughs> supposed to smack her. You're supposed to spin on her. You're always supposed to have anal sex. And you're always supposed to finish on her face. That's what they think sex is. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, this fish hooking thing, I've never even heard of that. But like, when you think of spitting on a random guy on the street, that's harassment. Why would you ask your spouse the loving protection? Like, that's a crime. Why yeah. is that invited into the bedroom, the holy place of unity? I love that you said the bedroom is the holy place of unity. And I am going to use that quote. That oh, is goodness. awesome. That is awesome. But Autograph it's the, later. <laughs> I, I can't wait. That's the truth. There is no reason for us to degrade each other for our own sexual satisfaction. There's yeah. no justification for that. But the more porn you watch, that's the only thing they do. So you start to think it's okay. It's either the woman degrading the man, which is only about 20%. There's actually studies on this. Uh, only about 20% of movies created or the women in, in over 80% are being degraded. It's either verbal degradation, physical violence, urinating on, spitting on, whatever. And people start to think that's normal. And yeah. you're, I, I just, yeah. Like, wow. like dirty talk, like, Oh, you little slut. Like, uh, no, no, no. Draw back a second. Hold, mo, whoa. There, why would you ever call the woman the mother of your children, the woman who you love more than anything else in the world, who you, if you're a halfway decent man, would lay down your life for? Why would you ever call her a slut? Because that turns why, you on. Why is it like, why is going kind of as far to the edge as possible? Why is that what triggers us? Like, why is that more hot than just, I don't know, like... <laughs> missionary position or whatever <laughs> well do you like roller coasters oh yeah i do a little bit of a thrill there a little That's bit of right. danger it's the same thing okay. it is the way we are built as human beings now what we have to do is find healthy ways to bring that excitement in to the relationship not just sexually but in all aspects of the relationship uh, one of the biggest things you guys are doing and it's amazing keep dreaming together don't ever stop doing that that when you you know when you're dating somebody you're dreaming about the future if you get serious you're dreaming about the future and what it can be and the white picket fence and the two and a half kids i never got the two and a half but two and a half kids <laughs> and the dog and that dream fuels the excitement in your relationship. Interesting. 
Yeah, when it's like the get... thought that it's going somewhere. It's actually leading to something. There's a point to it, dare I say. You buy the house and you're kind of, you're investing in this. You go on the trip, you're investing yeah. in that. When we get married and have kids, we stop doing that. Mm. We start talking to the spouse about the bills or mm. about the list of activities for the kids or the what's broken in the house. The task yeah. list that needs to be done. My dad and actually takes told the excitement me. Out. Uh, my dad actually told me that most marriages fail a year after, or you're unhappiest in your marriage a year after the first kid is born, and that's because the women pay more attention to the kid. The attention that was on the husband is now going to the kid. Yep, yep, and and that and that's true. And there's a reality. Look, as a mom, you got a full plate. I mean, I don't know how you do it. Especially when, when, today's day and age where, you know, your kid has four different after school activities you got to take them to. Yeah. I don't know how moms do it, but uh, you got to make time. Yeah. And and the there's two reasons you got to make time. One for yourself. You need time for yourself. If you're going to be able to give to your husband and to your kids, you got to have that time for yourself. And and then number two, you have to be really, really conscientious. And And people say, well, that's boring. If you have to make date nights and schedule them, do it. That doesn't last forever, but at least it keeps it going till you can get back to the spontaneity. Okay, so kind of going back, uh, you had talked about um, like PTSD kind of being one of the psychological things that happens to women. Are there more emotional and, and psychological consequences? And are all of these things, do they need to be do they need to be addressed by a psychologist or is this something that will like heal over time? How would somebody mitigate some of these issues that come with porn? Yeah. So the betrayal trauma for a woman, I always tell them um, when, when they're experiencing this, you need to reach out. This is a thing that happens and women won't even talk to their own moms about it. And why? Cause they're protecting their husband. Even in the midst of that incredible betrayal, the wife is protecting you guys. Yeah. You should be on your knees begging her forgiveness. But um, you need help. You can't do it alone. Whether that help comes in the form of a group, of a counselor, of a coach, you're going to need some help because you're going to go through a lot of different experiences in the recovery from betrayal trauma. Like I said, physical symptoms are very common. Those can be problems with your stomach, uh, not being able to eat, not being able to sleep, uh, not being able to stop crying. They can be emotional problems. You're angry all the time. You're going to need help to work through this stuff. And, and there's programs out there. Um, we have a program here at Integrity Restored called Bloom for Catholic Women, which is an online course. So you learn all about betrayal trauma, and then you take part in the community. So you're in a forum with other women who've experienced this. You're talking to each other. You're sharing best practices. You're praying for each other, but you're knowing you're not alone. Mm. Because that most isolation. women feel like this is just me. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I even myself found like a year into the worst part of my ex and I, my relationship, then people are like, wait, you're not happy because 
I was really good at the Instagram posts and the stories and like, and women hide the, these kinds of things. Why is that? Uh, I think it's in your nature. Um, that's, that's part of the feminine genius, right? That maternal nurturing mm -hmm. that you want to protect everybody that's put in your circle of care, even yeah. when that person does something wrong to you. Um, now there is truth that, you know, a woman scorned is a dangerous thing. So that only goes so far, but, um, it's just, I think it's natural for, for a woman to respond that way. Um, her shame, so many of the women that I've talked to be, they blame themselves for their husband's porn addiction. What are some of the what? justifications that they use? Uh, if I didn't get heavy after I had kids, uh, if I did this in the bedroom, right. if I was more attentive, if I gave him more sex, all those are complete lies. When you speak to the husband who's addicted, that's never the problem. The problem is always early exposure. He uses it to self-soothe anytime he's upset about anything because that's what he taught himself to do from when he was a young child. It's like adult thumb sucking, for goodness sake. Mm. Has nothing to do with the spouse, but she blames herself. Yeah. And yeah. so I tell I tell men all the time, when you are recovering as a couple from this problem, you, the man, have to pray for supernatural patience because we can get you healthy in about a year. Your wife's going to take about three years. It's just a longer path. Interesting. The wound is so deep. Wow. Okay. So in the context of a marriage and a healthy relationship, obviously bringing porn into the bedroom is not okay. What about sex toys? Well, so I'm not a theologian. Uh, I, I don't actually, that's a great, I've never had that question. Uh, I don't know what the Catholic church would say about that. Um, but, but here's the thing. I don't, I know that the church, the catechism of the Catholic church teaches, as far as I know, that the woman is to experience pleasure. And so if that's the case, then I don't see why that would be a problem. But again, I'm not a theologian. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the, the reason for sex, according to the Catholic Church, is twofold. Obviously, procreation, right? That makes sense. You got to have people on the earth. And the only way to do that is have sex and have babies. But the second reason, and just as importantly, is the unitive reason in the way it unites two people as one. It is actually the closest thing to heaven that you can experience on this earth, right? God is Trinity. That's what we believe. Three, three individuals, separate but together. Sex brings us, male and female, together. So the unitive is just as important. And so for sex toys, I don't know the answer, but if that's what you need, to make sure you have a healthy sex life with your husband. I don't yeah. Know. And I, I think, I think it's okay. like anything you could take it to this, the extreme. It's one thing. If you have like a little bullet vibrator, it's another thing. If you have a full on blow up sex doll, Yeah, you know, there, there are, there are levels. Oh my gosh. I wasn't even thinking of that. Yes. I wasn't absolutely. thinking about that either, but you, you know what? I have a friend who literally said that 
her ex had brought in a transsexual sex doll into the bedroom with her and she was mortified she was like embarrassed for him she was like what the what are you doing but like obviously that does something what a betrayal though what a betrayal yeah i'm sorry that's saying no you're okay but this is what i really need uh no no yeah so i again so i'm going to modify my answer a little bit (laughs) i think it will depend let's say it that way because just like everything else with humans we can go to the craziest extremes yeah absolutely so i looked up the four most common arguments in favor of porn and this is like i've heard some of these arguments when talking to friends or people or whatever but i kind of wanted your thoughts on them the first is freedom of expression so porn advocate porn pornography advocates argue that pornography is a form of free expression protected by the First Amendment in many countries. They believe that consenting adults should have the right to create and consume sexual contact content as a form of self-expression. Yep. I'm a big believer in the Constitution. No kidding. But here's yeah. the thing. Then why don't we put age restriction controls on the consumption of pornography? Yeah. Because the pornography industry knows that most of their hits, most of their visits are not people over 18. In fact, far and away, it's people under 18. So they fight it tooth and nail at every turn. That's number one. Number two, why aren't there warnings just like everything else? If you go buy a pack of cigarettes, you have a warning. If you go buy alcohol, there's warnings. Even if you go watch a movie in the theater, they have PG-13, 18 plus. Exactly. Exactly. So, yes, I understand your First Amendment right, but I also understand our right is as individuals and communities to protect our children. And that's what's not happening. Yeah. Minors cannot consent. Uh, Amen. um, As far as the second one was sexual education, some proponents suggest that pornography can provide a source of sexual education and information, helping individuals explore their own desires and preferences in a safe and private way. Well, there's a whole lot of hooey in that statement. Let me tell you, um, anything you're going to learn from pornography is not true sexuality. It's yeah. not. They're making a movie. They're actors. When those women are screaming and moaning while these things are being done to them, I guarantee you they're not having an orgasm. I promise you. They're faking it. The guys have to take pills and use pumps and have fluffers in between scenes to keep them erect because they're not into it. It's not a true sexual experience in the way God created it to be. So you're not going to learn anything healthy. In fact, the way pornography is going today, you're going to learn really dangerous things. Yeah. Generous stuff. I kind of just think of this, like, we, there's a movie called Blue Lagoon where it's two young children get trapped on an, on a desert island. It's only those two. And eventually they figure out how to have sex. And I just think, like, we are wired to know how to reproduce. You don't need somebody to tell you how to make love. Like, it is so ingrained in us, just like breathing, just like eating. Like, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um. How do you think you got here, people? Yeah. A hundred years ago, 200 years ago, a thousand years ago, like people were doing this. They kind of figured it out. They figure Uh, it out. Yeah. Yeah. 
that that's number one uh, to, to talk about blue lagoon that movie is freaking child pornography i'm sorry yeah um that, that brooke shields right she was so young in that thing and i you know today thankfully i don't think that would ever be produced by a by a studio but um kind of abusive in my opinion for both those kids they were both young in that what the hell yeah yeah, yeah i mean i mean that that's the movie industry these days it's just you there's this like show on netflix called sex education and it's literally about high school kids and my my one of my friends a while ago was just like oh my god you should watch this and i watched the first episode i don't even know what it was watched the first episode and i was like i'm super uncomfortable watching kids have sex yeah, like i'm, I'm in high school for that. that like we're 30 plus come on this is not comfortable for me and she was like but, oh i never but, really but, thought about it like that but see how media and the industry can start influencing yeah. towards pedophilia yeah. towards that uh they don't even want to call it pedophilia anymore it's map now minor uh, attracted person i will not comply to that term absolutely not amen i love you guys <laughs> me neither not the third one that i found was stress relief some individuals use pornography as a means of stress relief or sexual release similar to other forms of entertainment or relaxation yeah, for me personally, just speaking, like I, I have super bad insomnia. And, you know, when you're on your sixth night of no sleep and you're just like, I need to sleep. And the easiest I'm not going to wake up my partner. She has stuff to do tomorrow. The easiest thing was just to rub one out and then hopefully you get some sweet relief. But like, yep. what are your thoughts on that, on the form of stress relief? Well, I'm going to ask a specific question. How effective was it for you? And miss, I suppose. <laughs> some days worked, some days didn't. Uh, exactly. And it did nothing to serve the long term, the root condition that was calling causing your insomnia. Mm -hmm. And so that's what ends up happening. When people say it's a, a stress relief, I say, yes, I get it. You have that that dopamine rush, that dopamine crash. You feel tired afterwards, relaxed. You go to sleep. Uh, sometimes a couple hours, uh, you're up again later have to do it again because the mind's racing whatever sure. so it's not solving the problem you've put a band-aid on the problem yeah and so and what it, it might even create a bigger problem where now yeah in order to go to sleep now you have to do it very very common problem yeah very common problem we teach ourselves from a very very young age that in order to fall asleep i have to masturbate first and this is boys and girls doesn't matter and that habit habit that habitual behavior becomes so ingrained in your life you can't go to sleep without it but here's the good news if you want to stop you can it's going to take about 30 days it's going to be really uncomfortable but the brain is neuroplastic the brain will reset and there's something we call here in integrity restored rebooting and rewiring yeah. So the first thing you have to do is reboot your brain. You have to change those those common triggers that make you think a certain way. Yeah. So I'm about to go to bed. I got to masturbate. Nope. Don't do that. I'm about to go to bed. I'm going to take a hot shower. Okay. Yeah. 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 Reboot. Then yeah. over time, when you're thinking about the struggle, whether it's porn or masturbation, you start rewiring your brain to think about it as if it's just not part of your life anymore. 
Yeah. Uh, this is kind of out of left field, but in talking about rewiring your brain, what's your kind of opinion on magic mushrooms and psychedelics? And uh, do you kind of have any thoughts on that if you want to share? So I'm I'm in between, right? So I'm not a child of the 60s. I, I graduated high school in the mid 80s. So I didn't grow up to an acid and LSD and all that stuff, but I've heard enough about it. Um, the, the latest thing I heard was that uh, medicinally, there can be benefits for certain conditions. Uh, I think you also got to look historically, like we talked about the Taoist monks before, right? Um, ancient civilizations, new stuff. Yeah. Let's be honest, like Chinese medicine, they do know things, right? You don't always have to take a pill. Sometimes you could do something else and it will work. Uh, so I think more, at least for me, more research would need to be done. But yeah. I do think that the potential exists that those things can help uh, under. Under guidance was, and done yeah, properly and not just use it in a party in a club. Um, right, like in exactly. Canada, they just uh, legalized doing uh, uh yeah, and magic mushrooms for war veterans to help them kind of work through the trauma and stuff. And, you know, I've heard stories of it being very beneficial. I know personally I've done it and it it changed my life. It rewired the way I did a lot of things. But yep. like anything, it can be taken to that extreme of not not good. As human beings, we got to assume. Human's going to yeah. human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The last argument that I wanted to ask about was consenting adults. When produced and consumed by consenting adults, some argue that pornography does not inherently harm anyone and can be legitimate form of adult entertainment. I guess you kind of brushed on that when you talked about consenting adults not always being the consumers of it. So, well, A, number one, that, but but B, even the consenting adults. So when I've spoken to the actors and actresses that actually produce this stuff, there's always a very common theme, financial distress, mm. drug abuse, or alcohol abuse. Always. So can you consent at that point? I mean, no, in my opinion. Mm. You know, I wrote another ebook, and if you go to integrityrestored.com, you can get a free <laughs> copy of it. It's called Porn Slaves, and it talks about, um, you know, how how the pornography industry ties into human trafficking and how I make the case that everybody involved in the pornography industry, whether they know it or not, is being trafficked. They are a slave. A slave is someone who is being used for not for their own benefit, but for somebody else's benefit. And that's what pornography is, period. How would somebody in the industry who is kind of like, no, no, I'm fine. Like, if you took the money out would that be enough of a landscape for them to see the benefits? Like how would I approach somebody who's in this, this industry and kind of like change the perspective or shift the dynamic a little bit for them? Usually. And unfortunately, um, like with anything else, people have to hit rock bottom, yeah. unfortunately. So uh, for people in the industry, it's, they got hurt. Uh, doing a scene or they got sick from being with so many partners. They got an STD. They, uh, they, they're not able to have kids anymore because their insides are so damaged. Um, 
So usually, unfortunately, it's it's that. Sometimes I think we just need to invite people to think about, like I did with my buddy. I'm not shaming you. I'm not telling you you're a bad guy. I still love you, but just answer me the question. Does it make you look at people differently? That was shocking to him. And so I think for people in the industry, um, as believers, we probably just need to love them and love them more and hope that before something bad happens, they see the light. Yeah. 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 You have any last thoughts? Uh, We wrote down one more thing and then I'll speak a thought. If porn is an addiction, how would someone measure it and therefore overcome it? I know for me personally, I kind of had three things uh, that kind of helped me get over it. I grew up Christian. I I went to groups where my friends would have each other's email lists. So if you watch porn, like, so I was never like deep in it, you know? Uh, But the three things that really changed it for me was I got married to be, and I was like, okay, I can't do that anymore. Like, that's just not acceptable no more. I can't do that. Uh, the other thing was just hearing about how many minors are in the industry. That was the other thing. It's like, I cannot risk the chance of beating off yep. to a 13 year old. I don't care. If Absolutely. She looks I cannot risk it. I'm not going to yep. do it. And then the third and final thing that really, this one's more of a joke, but Andrew Tate, he's like, what are you a cuck? Why are you watching other men fuck women? Like what, what are you sometimes a little cuck boy? And that was kind of like, yeah, like what, what I was like, what am I doing? Right. What am I doing? Um, you know, there, there's so many reasons people view pornography and it has nothing to do with sex. Well, it's yeah, self- like been just what I said, like, yeah, I couldn't sleep. So I'd go do that. It wasn't that sexual. It, it was that self-soothing. It was that other thing. Yep. But most common reason is self-soothing. Uh, the when when we when we used to talk about pornography, we always used a trauma model, right? So people got addicted to pornography because they had some trauma in their childhood. Now, when we talk about it, we've added uh, what I call the OAT model, O A T, opportunity, accessibility, and trauma. There's so much opportunity to view porn. There's so much accessibility that people are younger and younger viewing porn that in itself becomes the trauma in their life. So you've got very commonly, it's a self-soothing mechanism, very commonly early exposure. That's a traumatic event. But then the only thing that makes you feel better from that traumatic event is watching pornography more and masturbating, having orgasm, getting a dopamine rush and moving on. Never, never, when I speak to somebody who's addicted, Never is it that I was really horny. Interesting. I never hear that. I guess to wrap it up, if anybody's struggling with this, go to integrityrestored.com. You've got your, there are things to help. But how would somebody overcome the shame and embarrassment around that in order to even reach out or to talk to somebody about it? I'll say it again. I said it once before. For whoever's listening, if you yourself are not struggling, You absolutely know and love someone who is. So what the heck are we ashamed about? This is an everybody problem. This is an every family problem. This is an every church problem, an every community problem. Take the shame and guilt out of it. If you're full of shame and guilt, you can't heal. If you can't heal, you can't be the person God intended you to be. Interesting. There's nothing to be ashamed about. You know, I look... I'll leave it at this. 
after church on a Sunday, if somebody comes up to us and says, hey, I'm struggling with alcohol, I'm struggling with drugs, we have people jumping over the pews. Hey, I know this guy. We can get you help. We can. If somebody says, hey, I'm struggling with pornography, everybody puts their head down and quietly walks away. Yeah. Interesting. That's God so- forgive us. God forgive us for doing that. Yeah. S- start reaching out. Start offering hope. Wow. This has been an incredible conversation. I'm so honored. I know you're so busy, but I'm so happy that you were able to come and do this with us. It was a blast, you guys. I love you. Thank you so much. This was so much fun, and I do want to stay in touch. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you have any, like, uh, you, you mentioned you have a podcast. If you want to do some shout-outs and stuff where people can find you, all that kind of stuff. Sure, yeah. If you go to integrityrestored.com, um, we have links to our podcast. We have links to our online training program, which is a 26-session, which is called the Integrity Circle Coaching. 26 sessions where you're going to learn from the scientific, the spiritual, and the relational, how this impacts people and families and marriages and what you can do about it. Uh, we have Bloom for Catholic Women, the program for betrayed wives. And then we have free eBooks and tons of blog posts and a weekly podcast with over 100,000 downloads. And we have um, free resources and books and videos you can buy. So please visit our website. And if you need help, reach out. Info at integrityrestored.com. You shoot me an email. I will find you the help you need. I can personally vouch for this. Not that we came to you for porn, but we've reached out and then boom, we're on a podcast together. So you're clearly in this to try to help people. So we really appreciate everything that you're doing. Yeah, seriously. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. It's been an honor.